Hello, everybody out there uh, in this galaxy and others. Uh, welcome back to another Lost Heroes uh, podcast episode. Today we are here to discuss uh, episode five, chapter five of uh, the Mandalorian, the new Disney Plus streaming show, uh, the Gunslinger. Um, over here, I am AJ. I am in Jersey City, uh, joined by my co-host and best buddy Frankie in Brooklyn. Uh, glorious Sunday morning, uh, Friday episode drop as always. And, uh, I actually just watched it for a second time cause I had a little bit of time this morning. I was like, Oh, let me refresh my memory on this show. Um, yeah. what, uh, like spoiler free thoughts on this. What did you feel? How'd you, how'd you like it? Um, I like this episode. I think that they definitely threw in, a lot more elements of classic Star Wars in this one. Um, I think that they are doing really well with setting up the different episodic journeys for Mando to go on. Uh, I love the music. I think the music in this episode really shines very hard. Um, I mean, not to say that everything else hasn't been standout and great, but I don't know. What did you think about this one? Yeah, I, I thought it was really really good really cool um you know I, I think they did a great job over the first four episodes like giving us a bunch of new stuff um with like some familiar things but um i think it was kind of inevitable that they were going to throw us in like you know tatooine or, or something i mean okay spoilers they went to tatooine sorry but um <laughs> it's okay um, we were trying i was trying um uh but other than that like yeah so i think eventually they were going to have to give us more uh you know like when they did force awakens and force awakens came out and it was like oh this is you know feels new but like a a reboot refresh on kind of like a new hope and and some of those major plot points and themes and so i think they they were going to get there eventually and um i'm glad that they took their time to get there um i will say like i the fact that this was episode five out of eight um, to me feels like, okay, where is this going? It feels a little bit like um, the plot, like the overall plot is kind of stalled and we're just like doing episode to episode. And um, if we had like 10 or, or 13 episodes, maybe I wouldn't bother me as much, but I'm getting a little nervous as to see like what's, what's going to happen. And like, I'm hoping that the next three are just going to be like, heavily action-packed and plot focused on, on, on this overall story. Um, my, my only other thought on it was that um, this one in particular felt like a TV budget. <laughs> um, I, I think really, yeah. I mean, I think sometimes this show has, has shown some of the, the edges of, of TV versus like a star Wars film. Um, you know, just, I think just for me, like the most notable noticeable thing was like, how many times have we seen tattooing and it was always like shot on location and here like a lot of it felt green screeny to me and mm. while like it's fine um i just it was just a little bit noticeable and maybe that's a little bit nitpicky but i just um okay but I, it's just a place we've seen so often that it's like okay yeah, i was gonna go for the opposite i was gonna say that they were really i thought that they did a pretty good job of bringing this place to life you know that they did an okay yeah. like the the approach on Moss Eisley when they fly over it looks very similar to the one that they're standing on from A New Hope when they're looking out and they say a wretched hive of Skull and Villainy for the first time. 
Yeah. Um, I think they got the shot of him walking into the uh, cantina pretty down pat, minus the special edition and non-inclusion of the spe- special edition do-backs. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like I was in on that. I was in on kind of a a, uh, a no-Jabba the Hut presence on Tatooine. Yeah. That, like, you know, this is kind of a more depressed socially socioeconomically socioeconomically more hurt you know system now that the huts are gone and there isn't that kind of you know uh you know economy that they can use and and rely on yeah it seems to me that they're hurt pretty bad also you know there's droids in this bar for the first time yeah yeah i mean i think a lot of the stuff like as he's walking through Mos Eisley and like that overhead shot in particular i agree with you it looked really good i think it's mostly like some of the speeder bike stuff um, as like, sure, uh, you know, like maybe not necessarily the wide shots, but I just got the distinct feeling like, okay, um, they're on like a mount and there's a green screen behind them and they're just flowing over this thing, um, which I'm sure that's actually how they did a lot of that stuff in the first place with the original movies. Um, it just to me was showing. Um, and then like, oh, they built like a sand mound as they're like looking over onto this uh ridge or whatever um so i don't know i mean in an in an era of like marvel movies that it's like almost all cgi like that it's starting to feel like that's what they did here um and you know i I understand it's a tv show like they're they're not gonna go to the desert somewhere (laughs) right but uh but it just felt that way to me um so yeah, I think we kind of touched on some things that were a little bit spoilerish. So why don't we just dive full in at this point? Um, I think yeah, it's it's a still a great show, and there's there's plenty to love. Um, so yeah, spoilers in three, two, one. Um, <sighs> so let's so, get into the plot. Yeah, yeah. So we arrive we arrive on Tatooine after Mando's ship gets really fucked up in a pretty cool space battle. I thought that this was great. I don't know. What a great way to start the episode. You know, he's like, that's really, my line. Bang. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Um, some some different ship that we haven't seen before. Did anybody get an idea on this kind of ship? I don't know. It's interesting. Like, he he looked, um, he looked like, almost like in Rebel Alliance gear, kind of. Or, like, it looked, it didn't look like um, you would expect, right? He he looked like a normal kind of guy, but he's obviously a part of the Mandalorian, uh, not the Mandalorian, the... The Bounty Hunters Guild. Um, and so, like, they just, wherever they came from, this is, like, their gear. This is the ship that they've got. It, it looks kind of like normally, like, go oh, the good guys or whatever. No, I feel you. Uh, so what I thought was interesting about this little dogfight was that it was, like, um, pretty much picked up exactly when the episode opened. I like them to do these kind of cold opens. I think that they definitely are cool, and it leaves them places to do things like we'll talk about at the end of this episode. Um, okay. Uh, I think him landing on Tatooine, like for the first time, like that was pretty fun. I was, I was pretty dressed about it. I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, I was like, when he, he's talking to the, the guy for the, to get the uh, spaceport, uh, credentials or whatever. Yeah. He says most size. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this is Tatooine. It's like, what you got that? And I was like, yes. we're, go- we're going back. <laughs> So going there. Uh, he lands, and then we're greeted by Amy Sedaris, who is doing a great job in this episode. Yeah. Uh, she's so funny. Her, I love uh, her shows. I also love her on Stephen Colbert. She's really funny with him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she goes from like, the Strangers and Candy 
TV show and other things. Um, yeah, so she's great. She comes. She seems to be a uh, mechanic lady who has a little pod, and then for the first time in maybe like fifty years, fucking pit droids. <laughs> fucking back. They've returned from episode one. They're not just well, in Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer for N sixty four anymore. They are here. <clears throat> hit the I, nose. I, liked, I liked them. I'm glad that they were here. Yeah. Um again. Felt I think fitting. To- full CGI, but they're like they move and, and look and act kind of like they normally would. Um Yeah, and I I just love how this show has been like paying service to uh, you know, like the friends of the industry, right? Like having um, you know, Amy Sedaris pop in here feels a lot like, uh, you know, in the first episode where you had um, Nolte? Uh, Horatio Sands. Oh, and Horatio like, Sands, yeah, sure. It, it's like every episode he encounters someone new that makes an impact on the show. And, um, you know, it's you can tell that they're having fun. Um, and, and, you know, the, the one other thing that we haven't necessarily touched on, but, like, the casting director on this show is the same one that works on, like, all the Marvel movies. Uh that Sarah makes sense. Finn, um, I think her name is. Um, and so, you know, whether whether she has an impact on some of these bit parts, I don't know. But, you know, obviously kind of the overarching big roles she does. And obviously with uh, characters like Pedro Pascal, Spandalorian and uh, Gina Carano, like those, th- those people like really fit right in this universe. Oh, totally. They're doing a great job with the casting, and I'm glad that they are including a lot of comedic actors who are, like, coming in and trying to be, like, pretty serious. Like, Amy Sedaris is funny, but she's not, like, you know, doing crazy ridiculousness to be funny, you know? Uh, I yeah. liked I liked her. Um, okay, so we go to the cantina. We haven't been at the cantina for a while, where we meet a young bounty hunter uh, who is trying to... Toro. Com- Toro uh, Calican or something like that. Like, very Star Wars name. <laughs> He's trying a little too hard, this guy. It's just in every respect. He is extra. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he's like, listen, I'm trying to find this mercenary lady. She's over here in the Dune Sea. I need somebody to come with me. I'll give you all my money. Mando's like, cool, let's go. Uh, they roll. Um, at this point, Yodi comes out and is discovered by Amy Sedaris. <laughs> Uh, and the Pitroids, and now she's babysitting, which is very hilarious. It, it is hilarious, but I just don't understand Mandalorian. Like, you know this kid gets into trouble. Like, would you really think he was going to sleep like, and, and stay in the ship the whole time? Come on. Like, I don't know. No, <laughs> I, you're totally right. I get that he can't just, like, take him everywhere because he's, like, uh, he's, like, a wanted uh, bounty, but, like, at least ET him or something, you know, put like a, a hood on him, put him in a funny hat. Yeah. Something or to cover up his ears. Everybody has cool helmets in this universe. Can't he be just like a little helmet that's just like walking around? That would be so funny. Or a just small gonk a backpack. Droid. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's backpack too. Backpack too. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, he's walk. So they go and then they get uh, speeder bikes. I think the speeder bike scene looked a little janky. I think they could have done a little bit better. Um, if we're going to be doing, you know, attack of the clones stuff, you have to make it look at least as good as attack of the clones. And yeah, like that movie came out in 2002. 2002. We've, yeah. we've clearly moved past that. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Um, they fly out. I think that the battle plan is pretty fun. Uh, it definitely seemed um, 
you know, cool. We get to see a do back. Well, uh, and then the, the whole bit with the Tuscan Raiders, like, Oh, I'm sorry. We glossed over that. Tuscan Raiders was actually awesome. Go that ahead. That was awesome. Explain um, that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was, it was really cool to see Mando in action and like being smart and being like stopping and knowing that this is like a place where you can't just fly right past. Like you see him like starting to impart some wisdom on this kid, like, um, and you know, making trades when necessary and, and not just like going in guns blazing and like, like Anakin would and, and slaying all the Tusken Raiders. Um, like these are people too, and this is their, their land. And like, if you can actually negotiate with them and, um, and make it through that you don't have to pick every fight. Like that's where he's a little bit smarter than, you know, your average schmo in the, in the star Wars universe. Um, and then, yeah, you're right. Like going into the, the actual plan of like, once they encounter, uh, the do back with the, the dead, uh, bounty hunter, like, and he sees the fob, like, Oh shit, Fennec is right here. Um, the plan is like, totally makes sense and is way smarter than anything else that we've seen in, in some star Wars instances, you know? No, for sure. I also love when they are approaching the Tusken Raiders and they're doing like the exact same move that, uh, Luke does where he's like looking at them through the binocular scope. And then yeah. he's like, Oh, tell them yourself. And they're just like right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like this episode has a ton of nods like that. And I, I think, um, yeah, this was a Dave Filoni, uh, joint and so um he's yes. he's well known for this kind of stuff in like clone wars and rebel rebels like putting in quotes putting in direct like visual nods and stuff and um i think that was one of them uh later on there's a quote that we maybe we can get to but uh yeah that that was pretty sweet you know the giving up the brand new binox like that's that's hilarious yeah it's hilarious <laughs> sorry guy yeah and then he communicates with tuscan raiders in like a sign language which i thought was really hilarious like yeah. they have these all these fantastic whoops and hollers and you know they're just you know really signing to each other <laughs> yeah um, i mean i i just i wouldn't believe pedro pascal being able to like talk in their like <laughs> yeah they're crazy tuscan raider language um <clears throat> okay so we get to um ming Ne wan who is awesome i gotta say like she was great in agents of shield she was one of my favorite parts of agents of shield the whole time when yep. i watched it my agents of shield literacy i think goes up to like the first two seasons and maybe the second half of the third the first half of the third season that's okay. where i think i gave up yeah, um, I, I'm I'm caught up, so I've seen all whatever six I think so far and sure. there's one more and she just becomes increasingly more badass. Like she's always been super, super awesome and like even to the point where she like was uh, had a like a leg injury, I think, from on set and they like worked it into the plot and um she's just a, a trooper and like she's uh she voiced Milan back in the day. So like she did. Disney synergy for sure. And she was just super badass in this episode. Um, like a great shot. Like she was definitely formidable for the Mandalorian. Like how many times did she actually land a hit on him? Like uh, on his armor and like took out his speeder bike. Um, obviously the plan goes well, but like not without faults. No, you're right. I, you know, she's definitely a formidable person to fight against Mando, which is always fun to see. You know, we never really, uh, you know, he gets checked in a couple places, but 
never, you know, kind of, we never see the best car, kind of what its level of standards are. Like, how do you, you know, he gets shot pretty good in the best car and he's cool, which is pretty awesome. Uh, okay. So let's get to the, uh, the end here. So she, you know, they bind her up. They're like, okay, dude, uh, you go, uh, Mando, go get the do back. Unfortunately, you got to go get it because, uh, rules. Um, so, yep. Uh, the guy, the new bounty hunter dude, is talking to Fennec, and they're talking about, you know, you gotta trade me, you know, don't worry about me. Uh, go get Mando, take him back to the guild. He's the bad guy who blew out of the last port and stole some target, and apparently it's a kid, and go get the kid, and you'll be a legend. And the guy totally does this, and goes back and double-crosses Mando, and then we have kind of an interesting, um, you know, uh, double cross in that, you know, this guy who we thought it was our friend is actually a dick. Of course, Mando easily defeats him. Of uh, course, because he's such a rookie and he, he you know, he just doesn't know <laughs> the, right. the way around it. Like he he's he's out there for the glory and not even necessarily the gold. Um, and he's just right playing fast and loose and like Mando's not going to have any of that shit. So I got to say, so there's something that's going on. I don't know if you've been looking on it too. Um, but ultimately what's going on is there's a lot of, uh, questions, um, about what we're thinking happened in this scene. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and when he, when Mando leaves, he says, you know, he's no good to me dead, which is obviously, a reference back to Boba Fett in episode Boba five, Fett, yep. which is very cool. Then the end of this episode, uh, after Mando has flown off the planet in his cool little ship, we see somebody approaching Fennec's body from the side and they're all cloaked in black. And just as they're about to bend down, we see the screen cut to black. Now the mm-hmm. internet nerds have already done the homework. And if you look at the audio from Empire Strikes Back, when mm-hmm. a certain non Mandalorian friend enters the scene, uh, with one Darth Vader, uh, people are surmising that this could be the return of Boba Fett. I mean, I think they're heavily implying it. There's this whole thing with the spurs, right? Like yeah. when, what they were talking about is that when Boba Fett used to walk around, he sounded like a cowboy. He's got this something jingling, jangling, uh, as he walks. And it sounds like, you know, right out of a spurs, Western. Right. And, and, as this figure approaches Fennec's body, you hear that again. And like, to me, you know, we were speculating back on, uh, episode one, when we see, uh, all the other Mandalorians that, you know, maybe just was a a mistake or just, it looked a lot like the character, but wasn't, this makes more sense. This is the last planet we saw Boba Fett alive on. And I mean, yeah, five years have passed. Like, Maybe he would have gotten off world, but like maybe he's laying low. You know, maybe he got word that the Empire uh, exploded, uh, you know, or the Death Star exploded and uh, was was coming apart. The Emperor was dead. Maybe he's like, maybe I don't want to make myself known at this point. And or maybe he's on this bounty just because he he knows uh, what Mandalorian is up to. Um, I think it's highly believable that it could be him. Um, but it also could just be another not nod him, right. and, um, It could also, also be somebody could... in Boba Fett's armor and not the true Boba Fett. This is true. Yep. 
Um, you know, so we'll see. What What do you do? You want it to be him? What do you think? Um. Yes, I am down for this to be Boba Fett. Uh, I am down for him to. I'm down for us to never see him this season. That we just see mm-hmm. him and we we just hear him and we hear of him, and we be we see that he's on Mando's trail. But like, yeah. this is maybe our big bad. I'm kind of cool with that. I'm cool with it too, especially because I want Boba Fett to remain an ignatic. Enigmatic, <laughs> enigmatic character. character that is villainous, and I don't want to be on his side. I want him to be that like guy in the corner that he used to be. That's like he was never an anti-hero. He was always kind of a bad guy, right? Like, yeah, Boba Fett is is roundly is a, a bad guy. guy. Yes, Mando yeah. is a good guy, and so we want them to be against each other, and I think that would be really cool. No, I completely agree. Um. So yeah, he he. Uh, he makes it off of Tatooine. He gives her the uh, the 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 units or the credits that um, Toro had, um, and he's off onto his next adventure. Um, one thing, like I think we were talking about it a few episodes back. Like you mentioned, oh, did we see the stinger? Like Disney Plus doesn't have previews for the next episodes. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I was looking in like the extras and everything, and. You know, I, I usually watch every episode through to the end of the credits because the, the music's so good and they have those, like, cool pieces of concept art and stuff. And they just – they don't reveal anything else. And, like, I don't know maybe if I, like, Googled it, like, oh, promo for episode six maybe. But – so they leave us hanging, whereas, like, HBO with Watchmen, it's like, here's what's happening next. And there's, like, more things to speculate on. And – I think it's fine. Um, it just adds more to the speculation on uh, what we've only seen. And as, especially as he continues to planet hop, it's like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen next. Like he could start the episode in another firefight dogfight in the, in space, or he's going to be, you know, on, on some other planet already. Who knows? No, you're totally right. I, I, I feel that because they're kind of, I, you know, they really have been planet hopping the past few episodes. I think that's going to stop at some point. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, but also it wouldn't surprise me if it didn't. I don't know. Uh, okay. Let me ask you a question, not related to this, but like generally Disney plus, do you think that this method's going to work for Marvel? Do you think this is going to work for Falcon and, and winter soldier? Um, with like the weekly releases, the weekly releases, this kind of format, this kind of budget. What do you think? I think. I think for Falcon and Winter Soldier, it could. I, I'm a little nervous in the, in the fact that, like, um, they're not – I guess Mandalorian isn't necessarily a high-level character, but it's like Star Wars, right? And that, that seemed big to me. I think leading with Falcon and Winter Soldier could be problematic because maybe people won't uh, continue to watch week to week if it's not compelling enough. Um, I think they need to dump a couple more episodes at a time if they're going to do that. Um, okay. But I mean, I think the budget is fine because you know th- those two characters aren't like they're like they're you know normal humans, and they, yeah, I guess he has like a a crazy arm. But like I think that they can make that look good, and it doesn't need to be you know super heavy special effects. It can it can be like a regular action show, like a, an Agents of Shield level, you know. Um. So I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's I think my biggest bummer, and we've been saying this for a while, is that there's not much coming out in t- in 2020 in the at least in the early half like we have clone wars but that's like 
really yet, and all the other Marvel sh- Marvel shows are way later in the year. Um, That's true. So That's I don't true. know. It, it's there. There's a lot of. It content seems on like Disney there's Plus, a lot but... of content coming to Disney Plus week to week. Like we just got Thor Ragnarok back. Yeah. You know, from Netflix, other things will come back as that goes away. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll upload more know. stuff. All right. Well, listen, guys, we got to keep this short because we got too much content to cover this week. Uh, we don't know if you're following along with Watchmen on the same things. It looks like the people who are doing Star Wars are distinct from the people who are doing Watchmen with us. Uh, but if you have not watched Watchmen and you are really liking Mandalorian and you're like over 17, I can't emphasize enough how awesome this show is. Uh, it's We're coming down to the last two episodes uh, tonight and next week. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, please give it a look. Um, and you can check out our podcast if you like, um, anything else, Frank? It's, I completely agree. It's an absolutely fantastic show and, uh, it's going to end with a bang, I think. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. To me, Uh, it feels like on one more philosophical thing. It, to me, it feels like if, if HBO ends this, right. And this, they're done with Watchmen after this, this to me seems like the best Warner Brothers counterpoint programming they've ever done because they're like you're gonna have all right you guys want to try out what Disney Plus is gonna be see let let us flex what the full breadth of Warner Brothers and DC can do together with the best creatives and a ridiculous budget and your favorite IP and like they literally timed it to go at the same time like they this had to be some sort of uh, this is no accident. It's no accident that Watchmen comes out and is a single run at the same time that Mandalorian is 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 on, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, okay. this, I, I don't think it's an accident. It, it means that you and I have been extra busy covering both because we love both uh, source materials. And, yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, it, it, they're, they're very different shows, and you can tell they are made for different audiences. Um, but... It's cool. I mean, we're enjoying both very, very much. So, feel better, Frank. Thanks, okay, every- buddy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're a little sick. Uh, so, guys, uh, listen. While Frank gets better and we get ready to watch Watchmen this evening, please uh, visit our website www.longlostheroes.net. You could email us info at longlostheroes.net. If you want to find us on any of the social media, use the handle at LLH podcast. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Subscribe on Google plus on Apple podcasts. It's not Google plus on Google, <laughs> uh, uh, Apple Stitcher, Spotify. I've been listening to the podcast on Stitcher the past few weeks, and I've been using the Stitcher app more and more. Fantastic. Ooh. Fantastic service. Uh, yeah. so yeah, I've enjoyed it on Spotify myself a few times. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, guys, give us a rating, give us a review. Um, let us know if you have any questions, comments, concerns. Uh, I'm AJ. And I'm Frank. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye. Bye.